0: Good morning to you Providence, it is great to see you, my name is Dave Owen, one of the pastors here, and if you've joined us online, we say good morning to you as well, if you have your Bible, take those and open to Genesis, we are starting a new series, We Greater Than Me, and uh, looking at the gift of community and how God has built us for one another, we were created for community. And we as a team and as a staff, as a church, believe to, to experience the fullness and the benefits of community, we must believe that a life full of we is greater than a life full of, of me. And we are seeing it, some of us have even felt it, that what COVID is, is doing, it, it's showing us multiple things, but that even though we're connected maybe to each other on Zoom or Google Chat or whatever platform you might use, there's still something missing in our soul, that we want to be connected to one another. We want to lean in and love on each other in one sense. My grandfather, I mean, my, my dad, my kid's grandfather, this year at Christmas, we were with him and uh, had to do uh, outdoor gathering because he is um, high risk, uh, just came through cancer as well as open heart surgery. And just as we were leaving, I'd never forget these words. He said, I just can't wait to hug all of you again. A man, 78 years old, who has been a pastor for 40 some years, still longing for community. We're built for this. God has designed us for this. You, you see the significance of a fire pit. Maybe you had a fire pit over the holidays in the backyard and you see this fire that's burning and the warmth is coming from it and light's coming from it. And the embers under it, when those are stoked together, more warmth and more fire comes. But you remove one of those embers and leave it alone by itself. It will quickly go out. So it is with you and I's individuals god has does not want us to be isolated it's like the christmas lights you love putting the christmas lights so i think we're going to keep our lights up to maybe august and just keep it going for a while and it's uh, it was fast we had tree this year, live tree kind of too big, and uh, opened it up uh, in the house before we should have opened it up. Uh, had to bring the chainsaw inside the house and do some work. Couldn't get it back out of the house. Not sure what we were thinking, but but make sure you measure that thing before you cut it, and it opens up. Uh, that would be wisdom for you this morning. Uh, but as we were putting the checking all the lights for the for the tree, um, you, you just you hate when that one light goes out, and then it makes the rest of the lights go out. You've been there and then you're trying to figure out which light is it that's out and having to replace that. You replace that one and then all of them work. And so we had one on the tree that happened like that. And I was like, look, this is COVID Christmas. We're not gonna have that many people over. We just shoved that light stream back up in the tree and put a new light stream all the way around it and just left it as it was. But listen, so it is with the church, right? When the redeemed of God are walking in the light, the church shines bright. For the glory of God and one one could affect the whole. We want his glory to shine and we want his gospel to spread to all nations. And God's designed it to be done together in a community. And so let me pray for us as we dive into our text. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the joy to be able to look at this. And we ask that you would speak through your word, and that you would build categories in our heart and in our mind of the significance of what your intentions were at the beginning of creation, even through redemption, God, of living a life together, built for one another, for the glory of your name. And so would you do a great work, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning in Genesis, what I'm going to walk us through is five truths of how the Bible shows us God's plan to build us for one another in community. And it's going to be a unique next three weeks. We'll dive down into Romans 12 and stay in that text. This morning, I'm going to do a little overview of Genesis 1, 2, 3, head to Ephesians, and then 1 Peter. I'll put multiple texts on the screen for you. I want you to read with me some of the Genesis passages and see some things in the Bible. uh, And then I'll put some of the other passages as we get toward the end of our our time together. So here's the first truth I want to show you. All people are created in the image of a relational God. All people are created in the image of a relational God. Notice in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us, Notice the text in verse 26. This couple of words I want you to look at that in the Hebrew language, which Genesis was originally written by Moses, is unmistakably plural. Notice it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. What's going on here? It's it's not God and the angels looking down, thinking about Looking at creation, uh, angels are servants and messengers, not agents of creation. I believe it's very clear here that God is speaking as a triune God. The Spirit of God in the first chapters hovering over the the waters in verse 2. And then we know from the totality of Scripture in John chapter 1, it says similar language as Genesis 1 in the beginning, that Jesus was with God in the beginning. And through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. Colossians 1:15 says, "In Jesus, all things were created. God has created." Only humanity and all of His creation in His image, in the likeness, in a sense, relationally. Now, this is not this is not out of necess- necessarily out of this sense of being lonely. No, I think it's out of an overflow of the love and the joy that's found within the Triune God of Father, Spirit, and Son. Meaning that we have capacity, limited yes, to to reason and to experience love and beauty and truth. And there is worth and value in all people, all races, all ethnicities. Because we are made in the image of a relational God. And the relational capacities in people seeing perfectly in God point to the fact that this is in our blood. This idea of Relationships. See, God is is filling the world with image bearers of himself in one sense. And yet sinful at birth, we are valued and full of worth. And so as a people in this first chapter Genesis, let's let's see the value of all people simply because of the reality that all are made in the image of a relational God. But the second truth I want you to see is this, is all people are considered vulnerable When running alone, now flip over to one chapter more to chapter two. And in chapter two, I want you to notice in verse 18, 18, it says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now we know this, the context is, is marriage itself, male and female. He's created Adam and Eve, the first two. But it's also um, telling us a lot about what God is saying about the principle of relational communal living it's fascinating to think that in chapter one god would call what he made good then he would move to the point that he would actually say after adam and eve and male and female that this is very good and then he would use the same word good but he would use it like this it's not good for man to be alone what is, what is God saying here? There's no deficiency in creation. He just wasn't done yet with creation. He's highlighting the reality of relational living and the significance of it. I don't have to convince you this morning of the massive need to be connected. Culture's done a great job proving that through social media. And it's, yet it's exposed our deeper longing to not just be connected, but to be in community. Many of you, maybe you have a certain amount of followers on whatever platform that you are using, and there's something about when people hit like or you have more followers or you add followers, there's something to the human heart that, that fuels and fills it temporarily. And yet, what social media has also shown us and exposed is that being connected is not enough. It's actually living in community, being with people. Jesus Christ did not come in pixels, he came in flesh among us. Right? Look, look, we are we are more prone to danger when alone, even though we may be connected to hundreds, if not thousands, in the social media world. And yet we're alone, depression's rising, loneliness is rising, and we are more prone to temptation. We're more prone to attack from the enemy. We're more prone to loneliness and growing cold and of heart. And even throwing in the towel and and quitting. Listen, isolation is not God's design. It's fascinating in chapter 1 that God actually told Adam and Eve in his creation that they would have dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the livestock. And it's almost when you look into the animal kingdom. You get this incredible concept of them traveling together. Birds, right? They fly. They fly in a a, a flock to get to their destination. The the water buffalo, they they travel in in a herd as they move through the the waters and across the land. I mean, fish. Fish swim in a school, not to necessarily become smarter, but yet to, to protect. Right? This is, you see, the animal kingdom, they're traveling together to be protected against predators ultimately. Yeah, you've you've watched the, the, the animal kingdom or one of those shows when one is maybe slightly prideful and wants to do it on their own. And you know someone's tucked down behind a rock just waiting for that one to leave the the, the the herd and go out on their own and try to do it. And that's the one that the enemy focuses in on. The lion will focus in on and will attack. See, listen, the, 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 sometimes I think the animal kingdom gets it better than the church. First Peter says it like this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, the, the, the military, they, they get this concept of togetherness, even even when battle, they train together, and then they send men and women together. They don't go solo on this. Listen, my, my grandfather, Lucian Williams, uh, I wish I could have known him better than I, I did. He died when I was six years old after his fourth heart attack, and he was a remarkable man, a pastor for many years, but... In the mid-40s, he was, uh, uh, served our country in the, in the army, and he was one of those of many that landed at Normandy and made his way into Germany. He left here when my mom was three, about three to four months old, and he returned when she was three years old. He survived landing at Normandy, making his way into to Germany, and then making his way back home, uh, representing our country in for, I'm, for that, I'm forever grateful. But it's fascinating to think is they would land in these boats. They would, they would go in these boats and these boats would land on the shore and they would attack uh, together, never alone, moving forward. And listen, Christians who, who run with other Christians have a longer stamina to endure hard days and tempting days. Isolation, isolation is the enemy's strategy to take you deep into temptation and sin, sin listen, sin will always promise more than you can produce, and it'll, it'll co- it'll, it it'll cost more than it will produce it it 'll cost you more than you ever want to pay and it 'll keep you longer than you ever want to stay and so the animal kingdom and the, the military gets this concept of togetherness listen let's let 's be a people as a church that celebrate the provision of God found in Community Isolation will lead you always away from God rather than for God. Let me just speak to this too real quick, because I know in this unique season, we find ourselves in many are are at home on on the couch and and we've grown kind of comfortable on the couch uh, at home and watching church on the couch. And some, rightly so, they are high risk for this disease. They don't need to be in a group. And we understand, we respect that, we commend that. But here's going to be the temptation after all of this is, is over. You know, some studies show that 20% of churches in the West will close when this pandemic's over. And here's the temptation for, for many of us that, that the couch is so so comfortable that even after the, this is over, you're going to want to stay there. And let me tell you who else is going to want you to stay there. The enemy is going to want you to stay there. Because it's so comfortable. And you can hide easily. Get a little bit of Jesus, get a little bit of song, get a little bit of feel good. He's going to take you out if you try to do this on your own. So we want, to, we want to commend to you. Listen, let's celebrate the provision of God found in community. But number three, look at this. He says, all the people, all people are tempted to conceal their sin and cover their shame. All people are tempted to conceal their sin and cover their shame. Now, Genesis chapter 3 is a monumental chapter. <clears throat> you may notice at the heading of chapter 3, it says the fall. What that means is that this is the, the fall of humanity into sin. And it, it's, it's fascinating that it took humanity only three chapters to mess everything up. right? Chapters 1 and 2, you see it all good. Chapter 3, Chaos breaks out, and it's fascinating how it enters. Right, the serpent, who's more crafty than any other of the beasts, the enemy, Satan himself, moves through the serpent to do something that's really strategic in the way he tempts us. He he tempted by questioning what God had already said, and this is the way he'll tempt you as well. He'll always tempt. You and I, by questioning what God has always already told us in his word, what to do and what not to do. And what's fascinating in the text, in Genesis 1 and 2, he gives Adam and Eve thousands of freedoms. Where the end of chapter 2 in verse 25, it says that they were actually not ashamed. There was no shame whatsoever. And, there, and you've got this incredible two, two chapters where Adam and Eve are are there, It's, it's an amazing setting, and God gives one restriction, only one restriction, that's it. One restriction, and the one restriction that God gives, the enemy uses to question them that God is actually holding out on you. That, that there's something that sometimes the way the, the enemy tempts us, right, is that, that when God gives restrictions in his word that we think that we, his creation, we think we know what's best. And so we lean in and, and we say, well, God's holding out on my joy. Listen, God is not a kill joy God. He is for your joy. He created you. If he did not crush his son for you, will he not also give you all that you need? Listen, so, so when, you think, when you think about this chapter and you lean into this chapter, you, you see so many things. But I want you to notice in verse 7, a few things that happen because of this devastation of being tempted to this lie from the enemy of questioning God's word that he's holding out in this one restriction. And then all chaos breaks out. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened as they ate from the tree that God had restricted them from eating. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God. Walking with them in the garden. They they hid themselves. They they sowed fig leaves. They they ran from him in shame. They were just a few verses prior, full of, of absolute no shame. And now shame has engulfed them so much so that they have not only run from God, which really theologically you can't run or hide from God because he's sense. And and then they they, they so they, they instantly went to functional saviors. They immediately went to functional saviors. Things that they thought would help. They, they made their own way. They didn't come and acknowledge. They, they, they made their own clothing. They made their own garments. They, they ran. They hid. And this is what we do. We, we lean into things that, that function temporarily as a savior. Little s. But it only builds a larger wall between you and God. We binge, eat, we binge, watch, we binge, shop. We do all these these things, anything that, that we think, and here's what's fascinating about all of this, right? Food is, is good. A, a good movie is, is good. Um, a, a few necessities are are good, but any good thing made by God. Make bad gods. Let me say that again. Any good thing that's made by God makes a bad God. It will not save you ultimately. And listen, when we when we conceal, when we conceal our sin, it it it, it, it affects you may not be able to see, you may not be able to see everything on the outside, but it's going on the inside. On the inside, it's going to affect how you live. How you engage with others. Listen, this was so poignant in my life the last. Two weeks, about two weeks ago, I had my uh, fourth knee surgery, third on this particular knee. That's why I'm leaning to the right a little bit this morning. And I had orthoscopic surgery. And so this week, I got the stitches taken out. I'm doing a lot of PT. It's, it's moving. I'm walking, praise God. But he showed me the pictures. And what, what they do with this particular surgery, I'm sort of fascinated with um, orthopedic surgery. Uh, they, they, they drill three holes in your knee. And so one, one, one of the holes is, is, is for a light one of the holes is, is for a camera, and then one of the holes is for an instrument to clean up what's broken inside. And so when he showed me the, the pictures this week, as uh, we were talking, he, uh, he, he said, well, we, we had quite a, th- a few things going on in there. And I'm like, well, I hadn't been able to run for two months. I, I assumed that. Uh, and so, so there's a piece of cartilage that's completely torn off. that's just floating inside the knee. That, that was encouraging. Um, then there was a tear in, in the medial meniscus. Uh, and so he cleaned that up uh, as well. And then um, it, 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 things are looking good. And, and so it's fascinating, though, if you saw my knee before, surgery, you would think everything is is fine. It wasn't even swollen. All the pain was on the inside. And this is what sin does. You may not see the effects. You could right? see the effects. But if you conceal it and it's in the heart and it's deep in there, you're not going to be able to be effective to live as God has intended you to. To live. Listen, Proverbs 28 says it like this. Verse 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You find mercy when you confess. When you, when you run and hide from God, you don't find mercy. It's when you run to God and you confess. You're in agreement with what he has said about your sin. You mercy mercy awaits your confession so let's be a, be a people who confess our sin to God but number four notice this that only Jesus can conquer sin remove shame and restore community only Jesus can conquer sin remove shame and restore Community. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, I want you to notice some amazing things. Um, it may even be indented in your Bible. But from verses 14 through 19, God begins to speak into this chaos that he has found among humanity. He first deals quickly with a blow on the land, on livestock. On the world, there's a curse upon the world. This is a theological category I have for tornadoes, tsunamis, and just the pain. The world is under a curse because of sin. But before he moves to humanity, that which is made in his image... To the consequences for both woman and man before he will end this section in verse 19 with reminding us that we're going to be returning to dust from that for which you come from you shall return. So so in essence, the death penalty is inserted on humanity. The death penalty. Now, now, let's be clear. There's different means of death, be it COVID or cancer a heart disease, you name it. No, all of those are means. The reason, the reason humanity dies is because we have sinned against the Holy God and God who can do what he wants to because he's God has indicted that penalty upon humanity. And yet before Before he gets, there's some specific things within childbearing for ladies. There's some specific things among men and humanity in in working. It's just hard. It's just a a grind from week to week sometimes to put food on the table. And, And yet before that, in verse 15, comes some amazing news. Now, some theologians will actually call this, verse 15, the first Gospel. Some um, will mention it in such a way. We we think of the word gospel as the good news of God, what He's done in Christ Jesus, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and how that has been laid out in those books. But Genesis three fifteen is in essence the first gospel because there's an announcement. It's an announcement of good news that will come. He says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and." Her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What is he saying that? What he's saying is there's an offspring that's going to come through Eve. It's going to come and, and throughout the days and the ages, many are going to look to certain ones that have come thinking that maybe it's this prophet this priest this king someone to save us someone maybe even militaristically speaking to do something for us and what he's saying now listen there's going to be one who comes he's actually going to be bruised but he's going to bruise the enemy's head he's going to crush in essence the enemy's head this is a small foretaste of the cross that will come this is a small foretaste of of what will come in Christ's Life in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. This is a small foretaste of what will come. There'll be be one who will come and he will accomplish. Reconciling you and humanity to God and reconciling you to one another. And notice what God does in his mercy. Notice his mercy in, in verse 20. Now, after ...announcement of death coming to you after work is going to be hard and death is going to come. Verse 20, he says, then the man called his wife's name, Eve. Now, what in the world is happening here? You just said work is going to be the hard rest of your life and death is coming. And he calls his wife's name, Eve. Eve means one who gives life. One who brings life. How can Adam say. I mean I would be isolated and in depression immediately after verse 19. And yet I think what Adam's doing. He's looking up. We just sung back to verse 15. At the promise of God's mercy that will be manifested in Jesus. Ultimately in Jesus. Notice the foretaste of Jesus. It's all over the place. Verse 20. Because she was the mother of all living. He's going to name her Eve. And then verse 21. And the Lord God and the Lord God made, made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and clothed them. Do you, do you see what's going on in the text? No, they had already clothed themselves, but it wasn't sufficient. No, God in his mercy, in his mercy made for Adam and his wife, garments, garments of what? Of skins. This is the first animal death in the Bible where he's had to kill this animal to get the garments. And then he clothed them with it. It is a small foretaste of the animals that will come and be killed Temporarily in the Old Testament for the forgiveness of sin once a year and the day of atonement. It's a small foretaste of going. Further through the text into a town called Bethlehem where a Savior would be born who would be called the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. This is a foretaste of ones whose life would be given and life taken on a cross and in whose not physical skin clothes us, but his spiritual clothing of robes of righteousness that's required to be in the presence of a holy God. This is what's taking place in this text. Jesus, he removes shame. He empowers you. He forgives you. Listen, only Jesus can do this. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, listen, we want to encourage you to admit and acknowledge that your sin, you fall short of God. Believe on Christ the Savior. New Year's resolutions are always like, let's eat better and get spiritually right. And let me just encourage you, if you think getting spiritually right is doing better, being better, doing more, you're going to be exhausted and probably will quit by January 8th. But you can't do it. You can't reach a holy God in all the requirements. That's why he reached us and came to us in his son and lived a life you and I could not live and died the death that we deserve, was buried and rose from the dead and by faith. By his grace, through faith, if you commit your life to him, he says he will forgive you of your sins. He will give you a new heart. He, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that he makes you alive in Christ. He doesn't put a band aid on, he doesn't clean some cartilage out, he gives you a new heart. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're online, to trust Christ. Some of our team that are hosting you online, they will help you make that decision even now. And if you're in this room, we want to encourage you to make that decision today. If you've never made that decision, it'll change your life for the rest of your life. To admit simply, to believe, and then to commit in your heart. Commit to say, I want to be forgiven my sins. I want to trust Christ, we'd encourage you to do that even this day. We want to walk with you because what happens if he does that and if he's doing that in your heart, even today, he then places you, he then places you in a family, a church family. And this is, this is not a sports team. This isn't, this isn't a state where, where you, you are a, f- a fan because of the color you wear. Right, You wear the same color. You have different theological views on God. You may not even believe in God, but you're a fan. You're united by an outward uh, appearance of a jersey or a color, and you cheer for the same team. No, you know, a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus looks, you can all look different, but there's this, you worship the same God because he's changed your heart internally. See, we greater than me means you belong to a family, to a people, to a church. Listen to what Ephesians says. Ephesians 2.19. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. First Peter 2 says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Listen, growing up, I grew up in a small, small church. We used to sing this song where we would, we would hold our hands together like this and say, this is the church and this is the steeple. Open it up and there's all God's people. Okay, seven of you know about the song. That's awesome. So, so listen, listen, it's a cute song. It, it rhymes. Um, it, it's, it's nice. We sung it a lot growing up, but it's, it's bad theology. And the reason I, I mean that, let, let me do it this way for you, okay? So, so this is, for our case here, this is a renovated hotel that went bankrupt in the early 90s and we moved in. Okay, we don't have a steeple. We're not gonna buy one, okay? Open it up. And there's the church. did not rhyme. Not cute. I'm not going to sing it for you. You would leave immediately if I started singing. No, but listen. The church is the the people of of God. The church, if, if this place burns down physically, this building, Providence would still exist because we're a people. We're a community. We're built for one another. It's like a Lego set. All my kids, we love putting these together growing up. When we were younger and, and you dump them out and they're different colors and they're different shapes and they're different sizes. And yet when you take all, all of the same value and all of the same worth and yet when you put them together it's when you build a small little city, a small little uh, whatever one you, you bought that, that gives uh, light to it. And, and, and the, re- the reality is that none of that could be done when you're alone or isolated. He wants us to live in community. He says in Hebrews chapter 3. He says let's exhort one another every day. As long as it's called today. That none of you would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Isolation always causes a deceitfulness of sin. Because you don't have others exhorting you. Let us consider how to stir up one another. To love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some. But encouraging one another. Listen. This is fascinating what happens really quick. Ephesians chapter 3 says it like this. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. What is he he saying when he says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known? No, the manifold wisdom of God. The, man, the word "manifold," the idea of it is the, it's the manifestation. It's the multivariance of colors is, is, of, of God's wisdom is on full display through the church. Now, sometimes we think, we think when we go to the ocean, and we see the ocean, or the, the reefs of the ocean and the fish of the ocean, and we see creation. Sometimes people will say, I have church outside. I do church outside. Uh, Some of you go to a mountain peak and you see that and there's a a connection with creation and and you're like, man, God's glory is on display. And yes, God's glory is on on display. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. But listen, listen, if you want to see the manifold wisdom of God, according to God, it's not in the ocean and it's not in a sunset over a, a mountain. You know where it's at? I'll tell you where it's at. It's in the gathering of God's people weekly called the church. It's right now it's it's multi ethnic it's different people from all different places from all over the world coming together with a new heart worshiping the son of god you want to see the manifold wisdom of god show up every week here at 8 9:30 or 11 and it will be on full display Week after week. So we get numb to this. We we get accustomed to this. We should be amazed by this. That God has redeemed any of us. And that we could come and sing his praises. And worship him. And read his word. So listen, let's be a people. Who trust Christ for forgiveness and join with his people. Let's go through the providence pathway in the weeks to come and lock arms as a family and as a people. Let's care for each other well so that we could get the gospel to all people. This is the last one we're done. Jesus calls us as a people to reach all people. He calls us as a people to reach all people. Isolation. We can't do this. Community. Community. We could. Put together, we're putting a family of six on a plane tonight. Tonight, in the midst of a pandemic, they're moving to Central Asia to plant churches and build people's lives through the gospel, the preaching of sharing the gospel. Listen, First Peter 2 says it like this. You're a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a people to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. This is what he He puts us as a people together to praise his name in community. And we want to turn the volume up on the proclamation of the excellencies of him who has done this. And you and I know throughout this year, we've watched many sporting events and empty stadiums and it's just something missing. Is it not? I mean, I just don't come off the couch and rejoice when somebody scores, and we know when stadiums are full, there's a sense of synergy and community even in celebration of all that team has done. And how much more for God's people to be a people in community celebrating all that God has done. Listen, it's, it's confusing to a world we live in when we try to make our name known, when we try to be the greatest and the center of the universe we is greater than me listen it's confusing when we live like that but it's compelling it's compelling when collectively we live for Jesus it's compelling Listen, let's do this right before we, we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. I want to show you this. I want to illustrate this for you. So, so right now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a small exercises. We close our time. Kids, lean in. Speak up really loud here, okay? So I'm going to count to three. When I say the number three, I want you, from where you are, to shout, with everything you got, your name. Okay? I want you to shout your name on three. So here we go. Let's go. One, two, three. <laughs> Boom. Okay. That was really bad. Sounded horrible. And, uh, but thank you for participating. I'm grateful for you. You proved my point. Okay. Now listen. Listen. On, on three this time, I want you all really loud to shout the name Jesus. One, two, three. Yeah. Jesus. It's compelling. It's unified. There's something about his name that when we lift him up, he draws people to himself. He's done it in the past. He's doing it now, and he'll do it in the days ahead. And so let's be a people who carry the gospel together to all people. The light that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest away. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your kindness and your grace and your mercy today to look at how you have built us for one another and how you have given us the gift of community. God, I pray that in a season that's really hard, when it's hard to for so many that can't come, that God, you would help us be intentional in trying to connect in any way that we can. And that God, for those who can come, would you give them the sense that we need them and they need us. We need each other to live this life, life on mission that you have called us to. And so, God, we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.